This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Writing Project. OWP supports teachers from all over Ohio and celebrates the professionalism, expertise, and talent of our state's educators. Ohio Writing Project, teachers teaching teacher. Welcome to the emergency coronavirus edition of Right Answers. Um, this is Noah Waspy, and we're joined with by Beth Reimer. Beth, how's it going? It's good, Noah. We're doing well here. Good, good. So Beth had this really cool idea to start having these uh, Zoom meetings between teachers to share ideas, to share resources, and to also just get stuff off our chest, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, I think that is, I think that is right. And Angela Fallhaber contacted me and had mentioned that the Ohio Writing Project has been teaching classes through online and hybrid formats for a while. And she mentioned the fact that we had probably learned some things about distance teaching and learning and how to connect and stay um, true to what we know about teaching and how to build a community. And she wondered if you know, we were going to be able to share that in some way. And I thought that probably the best way to do that would be from the foundations and the roots of the writing project, which is to gather teachers together and talk about it. So that's what we did. That's so true because, I mean, anyone who's taken an Ohio writing project class, whether it's online or hybrid, knows that it's not your typical online learning experience. It's, there's a certain element of magic that OWP is able to transmit through whatever bandwidth, whatever's going on, however internet works, but it magic happens. And what a great resource for teachers right now. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons that we wanted to get people together on call and that I'm super glad that you thought about recording this because what we've actually learned through online formats is that you know already things to be true about teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, you already have your beliefs. You know that connections matter, that community matters, that that choice, that um, opening space for mm-hmm. students and teachers to think and create and share with each other. All those things that you know are true in your face-to-face classroom are also true in your online classrooms. And so that is where the magic happens. And I think one of the things that could happen right now with all of the resources flooding at us Mm -hmm. is we could get lost and easily overwhelmed. And, you know, the best advice is to think about, well, what would you do right now in a face-to-face class? And then how do you just make that happen or the best way to make that happen? It's not going to be perfect, but it's a good guide. Yeah. And it's going to be important to stay engaged because I think the, the thought that occurred to me a few minutes ago was, Um, when I was a first year teacher, I came into it with so many great ideas. I was flooded with ideas in college and then I started teaching and I didn't know which ones to apply where I didn't know how to, like, once I got halfway into using an educational tool, I realized, I don't know if this is the best way to use this. And then I started going to worksheets because I didn't know what to do. And that's what the veteran teachers had for me when I asked them, Mm -hmm. but then we moved in, then uh, Ohio Writing Project, specifically you, Beth, came into our district and it started changing and shifting for me. And 
right now, a lot of us, unless you've been teaching online for a while, a lot of us are like first year teachers again. So I hope that these conversations that we uh, post online and that we have um, through Zoom with each other will be helpful as we enter this new way of teaching for however long it ends up being. So how can people join these conversations in the future if they want to be part of the live action? Because honestly, a lot gets cut out when we uh, edit these to publish for a podcast. If you want to be part of the conversation and get the director's cut, how can you join in the future? Yeah, so the plan right now is to hold a live chat every Sunday, about three o'clock Eastern time. And so if you want to be part of it, you could um, tweet at, at OWPMU or follow OWPMU. And I'll go ahead and post a link there if anybody wants to RSVP, and then I'll send them the information to join. And if you don't want to be on recorded, and if you don't want to be on the podcast, we can edit out anything that you want us to edit out, or we could choose not to record if the majority don't want to record. It's really about having the conversation, and so many important things were said, we just felt like it would be a good resource to share with the general public. Right, right. It's not really a podcast. It's more about teachers getting together to mm-hmm. teach each other and be in conversation. The writing project's kind of way. Yeah, that's right. Teachers teaching teachers. So yeah. let's jump into it with a poem. This right. Is- let me let me tell you um, where this poem came from, because I thought if we're all going to talk about this moment where we were unsure about what was going on with our families and our classrooms and our students, that we had to start with something that we know, which, by the way, is exactly, I think, the way we have to think about online instruction. All that overwhelming kind of thing that'll be coming at us. If we can just remember a couple of things that we know and hold on to that, then we'll find our way. And so will our students. And so with that in mind, we started with a little bit of writing and we used some poetry to inspire us along with some other questions. And one of these poems really stuck out for, to people as they read it, as having some things to say in this moment. And I think you'll hear that, right? In the conversation that comes up next. So the poem is titled, Good Bones by Maggie Smith. Good bones. Life is short, though I keep this from my children. Life is short, and I've shortened mine in a thousand delicious, ill-advised ways. A thousand deliciously ill-advised ways I'll keep from my children. The world is at least 50% terrible, and that's a conservative estimate, though I keep this from my children. For every bird, there is a stone thrown at a bird. For every loved child, a child broken, bagged, sunk in a lake. Life is short and the world is at least half terrible. And for every kind of stranger, there is one who would break you. Though I keep this from my children. I'm trying to sell them the world. Any decent realtor walking you through a real shithole chirps on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful. I love that. So good bones, this poem come, if you're wondering uh, why people keep talking about good bones in this podcast, this is why. Um, We'll post the link to this poem in the episode's description. And we're also gonna post the, um, the names of all the people who participated in this discussion. 
in uh, our episode's description. Uh, in this episode, we opened with writing time, as Beth said, um, and then we started talking. And most of what people talked about at first were current issues and concerns with leaving their students, with not knowing if they'd get to see this year's students again, that, uh, you know, before summer hits. And a lot of teachers also took stock and provided perspective on what's going on. Then in part two, we shifted into some resources and you'll want to make sure that you definitely check out the episode's description because we have a Google Doc in which we just, I guess you could say crowdsource a, a truckload of resources. We have links to all kinds of online teaching tools. We have links to videos and professional development. We have links uh, to other stuff too. We have uh, teachers sharing ideas. So if you want to check out um, a living document, which we'll continue to probably add to, maybe even create more if it gets too crowded, um, you'll want to check out the link in this episode's description. And then in part three, we addressed a couple of interesting issues that could arise. And uh, that's our podcast for today. So Beth, is there anything else that people need to know about this episode before we throw to it? I don't think so. The All right. Have it. Well, let's get to it. Here is our emergency coronavirus episode of Right Answers. Hi, this is Allison. Um, as I said, I'm I'm in by phone, but just some things that I am thinking about right now is we just ended exams. I don't know when I'm going to, when or if I will see my students again. I am trying to figure out what's going to be most important for each group to learn, you know, what's most important for the freshmen is going to be very different for, for what's most important for the seniors. And then what do I do with the sophomores? The, so those are the things that are, are on my mind right now. And as I said, I still got to get exam results up and um, set up for this new situation, which is still changing every day. So that's, what I'm thinking about. Yeah, This American Life yesterday had um, a, a, their, the program was about like this, like when you have this like low, like hum in your, your world that you don't really know you can't name, but it's there. Um, and that's that feeling, right? Like there might not be an answer yet, which is that feeling of fizzling or that low kind of like warning or hum or something. Lindsay, were you going to say? Um, I was writing a lot about like I'm feeling very anxious and worried about not seeing my students again and then I read the Good Bones um, poem by Maggie Smith and I feel like the end just made me feel like I was at peace um, but the end just says any dis decent realtor walking you through a real shithole chirps on about good bones this place could be beautiful right this place you could make this place beautiful um, so I guess just we can't control what's going to happen so just focusing on we've set up these classrooms that have good bones so we can make whatever the rest of this year looks like into something beautiful so that I needed that. One of my biggest questions rolling into this is like how much work is realistic for our kids because they're now becoming babysitters they're becoming I mean I have high school kids like they're becoming the caretakers and some of my colleagues are being very rigid about the deadlines and 
like they have to sign on at this time to do this. And like, I'm fortunate to be in a district where a large variety of my kids have internet access at home, but not everybody has that luxury. So this is just a weird time of like unknown with the expectations that I'm putting um, forth to my kids. I agree with that. Um, I was talking to my department last week and said, you have to remember we've finished three quarters and we've read a lot and we've written a lot and um, our kids are in an okay place. So I don't think we need to overload them in any way with the work. Um, I think instead they just need like some continuity and some connection. Um, and um, whatever you give them will give them a little bit of purpose, I think, um, for the rest of the time that we are remotely learning. Betsy, to, to your point and to Kate's point, I was, I've been, you know, obsessively following teacher Twitter and probably also coronavirus Twitter like everybody else might be. And uh, Christy Mraz has said some interesting things about what, what you are talking about. Um, like there were all these schedules that teachers were releasing. And at first I was like, yeah, those are cool schedules for kids to follow. And teachers are posting all kinds of other things for kids to do. And then just reading some of uh, Mraz's posts on Twitter and some of the links to her blog um, have kind of cha have really changed the way I'm thinking to more of what you're talking about. Um, and I love what you said about like that connection being important as we socially distance. And uh, that's not going to get any easier and it's not, we're not going to get any closer to each other over the next few weeks. So I think that what you said about connection is important. I just um, wrote about how much, and I, and I keep thinking about how much we're going to have to redefine for ourselves and for our families and for our students and the teachers we support. And um, like Noah, you made me think about that too. We're going to have to redefine what it means to be connected to each other and what it means um, to protect ourselves and the people around us. And um, I think it's really important for me as a, as a person, I'm like trying to manage this um, instinct to start to hoard things, both like toilet paper and like chicken nuggets and also just like resources too, right? So I am worried in my role supporting teachers how can we move away from just hoarding all these like links that we're going to push out to families and instead think about how to be strategic and how we support families in the way that they have to redefine their time too. So I don't, we don't have a ton of guidance from um, our district yet. We are going in tomorrow though, uh, teachers to talk in person. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but um one thing is they want us to work between the hours of nine and three and to make that really clear to our students. And I think that might, it were available between nine and three. And I think that could be helpful. I think for me, like I wrote kind of about the same fears, I, especially that Bones poem, like the end, Lindsay, I, I kind of wrote the same thing about how this place could be beautiful. And so that made me just think of as fearful as I am, I'm like kind of excited <laughs> at the same time, just, I don't know, I think all of us here can agree that we like to be challenged to an extent and I'm just excited to be challenged in this way, especially with my seniors, just because, you know, I know that they are going off to college. So I think that this would be a great thing to be able to like, it's a blessing that I get to try this whole distance learning with them just because I know when I was in college, 
you know, some of my classes, I would look on rate my professor and find the one that was like online, just so I could like not have class on Friday, or whatever it was. But I mean, I'm just like, I'm fearful, but I also am kind of excited. And I guess for our district, I'm at Kings, and they kind of just like, ended everything like we were supposed to go in tomorrow and they were like nope like nobody's coming in we're not doing any sort of like online distant learning at all um until april 6th when we get back they made it clear that everything is optional and so like all i gave to my kids were like a list of 10 podcasts that they could listen to and I'm setting up like a Zoom meeting on Wednesday to talk about anything that they listen to, but that's pretty much it. I think like our district is still trying to decide what we want to do, especially like we're not one-to-one. We don't have like any training around in any of this. So I guess I'll be curious to, if it does come to the point that we do have to stay away from school after April 6th or whatever, what are they, go- how are they going to communicate that to us as teachers because clearly they're not going to make us come in these are all like really interesting these are so interesting questions too like uh, that idea betsy of like saying from we're going to be there from eight to three or nine to three like that's something that is is interesting to figure out what that looks like when in in context with the question of we got to redefine right what it looks like because the students can't work like that right um so what does that what does that actually look like which i guess maybe moves us to the next point so just as a note like this conversation like we're doing right here i think is one of the reasons that we're going to keep we're going to do this like every week just so we can check in like i mentioned and talk to each other and see how it's going because we don't really know this might be one of these moments when those cyclical standards of language arts are a real blessing right there's multiple times that they're blessings but this is definitely probably one of them but um, I was writing down how interesting it is to talk to kids, right? So my middle daughter um, is a senior in high school. And, you know, just, it's like, there's a new sadness every day of something that she realizes they might not be doing. Or, you know, today she's like, wait, that might've been my last day of my senior year. Like, that's it. And then um, typical her, if you ever know her, she said, wait, that's what I was wearing? on my last day of my senior year. And then she's like, um, but like all of the things, right? That um, mean something for traditions. So if anybody remembers ever, if anybody ever got to work with Helene, um, our former co-director, she's done a lot of work around what traditions mean. And like, there's a lot of traditions our kids are gonna miss, right? And so every day there's like this loss feeling that shows up in our house and then my, um, other daughter's going to be turning 21 without her kid, like for friends, like every day she's like, uh, they have a new thing. They're like, wait, that's not going to be that way. Right. Um, but my youngest the other day in the grocery store, as we were walking around that eerie moment of like shelves that were cleared off, she said, mom, isn't it weird that like our, my TikToks right now could be primary source documents later. Somebody's going to be analyzing them. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like, maybe not yours, but yeah, like, I think um, it is, they are, I was writing about that, like, what it feels like to live in, like, history, like, knowing that this is a historical moment right now, so that's what I was writing about. So now the conversation is about to shift, as 
teaching begins to move more and more online, not just in the 21st century, but in this moment, as many of us are socially distanced due to the current pandemic, um, a lot of teachers need help with not just knowing what resources are out there, but what are some things we can do to best leverage these resources into good teaching, uh, especially when our students are so far away? Beth is going to open this part of the conversation by talking about how the Ohio Writing Project manages this challenge. In our online classes at OWP, what we figured out was that you really don't just be like, here's a giant assignment, go do it. And then like everybody's supposed to march off and go do this thing, but that you can still like scaffold and you're like, hey, this is so cool. Like I found this really great like podcast or I found this cool like open letter or something. Take a look at it today and then like come back tomorrow and see what, what you can do with it tomorrow. That there's, there's nothing that's those scaffolds I think are, are helpful sometimes. Um, the, the question is like, Caitlin asked if it's like around, um, if they don't have to do it, like, what does it look like? But you know, like those, those scaffolds is what helps people. And those are some of the bones we have going on in our classroom already. Um, so stretching something out a little bit at a time is helpful or like making a module that somebody can go through, like after you've done this then post an idea, click on this and then do your next thing. But like building those modules in small pieces instead of like, here's your ginormous assignment, which I think is super hard um, to do. Beth? Yeah, I shared an infographic that I found on Twitter today and then I also sent to my principal um, that just keeps some things in real realistic perspective, um, having planned lots and lots of um, online courses, I think we have a tendency to overdo. And so um, one of the big things I keep, see, keep seeing people talk about is like doing Zoom meetings or doing meets, like synchronous learning is gonna be really hard right now. And so as much as we can make asynchronous and self-directed and um, like less is more approach, I think we're gonna have more success making sure that we're keeping our, our focus purpose as much as possible. I want to add on to what you said, uh, KBT. Um, it's going to be really hard because this is definitely one of those situations where I don't think any of us will know the correct answer until long after it's over. And we just have to try really hard to strike the balance. We don't want to, I mean, it's also the other danger is not having enough expectations. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to push so hard that everyone checks out, which is going to be really easy to do. I mean, how are we going to hold someone accountable for not checking out or for checking out? Um, one thing that I just, like, Beth, what you said about TikToks being a primary source, it kind of blew my mind. I know a lot of people have been posting online about um, the importance of keeping a journal right now. And that just kind of opened my eyes to the importance of just writing. And it made me think about some of those mentor texts that you might see like on the Moving Writers Mentor Text Dropbox, where it's like, I tried blank for this many days and here's what happened. I mean, what a great time to be doing that kind of writing because <laughs> we're gonna be doing blank for so many days and something's gonna happen. And that was, no, that was sort of my idea that I added to the list of what if we put off trying, what if we put off learning that we can dedicate some, real focused time to um, learning or doing. And, and I think that's an interesting idea to think that our young people 
don't know how to learn something new. And we very much want them to feel empowered to be able to learn something new, something new, whether it's an interest of theirs or it's a state standard, that we know that they have the ability to learn something new. And I love this idea that we keep coming back to that we've had a lot of time with these students. And so we've had a lot of foundational work, these bones that we've been able to put in place. So our students are very capable of learning something new. And what can we put out there for them to just go and do something they're inspired to, to learn how to do on their own? Or here's a standard we haven't gotten to in science or social studies or language arts class. See what you can do. Try to unpack this and see what you can do. And then we can teach them and direct them and guide them based on what they try. How do you help somebody make a research project independent? Because maybe this goes with this idea. This could be like an interesting moment for this. Well, I'm doing with my journalist students, the great podcast challenge of 2020, which we had already rolled out before we left. And, you know, very much, much said, gave them a theme. Our theme is catch the vision. And I said, go find something and tell them about it. And I'm actually doing one too beside them. Um, and the thing I keep thinking about is how this is taking the, the negative social pressure out of school too. They don't have to be self-conscious anymore as they're sitting in their learning. And I just think how much that affects my classroom and the way my students respond to me and to one another and to learning. And I'm, I'll be really interested to see how this builds their own self-confidence in themselves as learners to not have, you know, people breathing down your neck and trying to be cool all the time. And we're, they're not the only ones who don't have to deal with the pressure, maybe, depending on your school district, obviously. Um, teachers, we're kind of playing with house money in this moment uh, because there aren't a lot of expectations for success. And if the longer it goes, the less chance there is that testing will happen. And that could mean that all the teaching that we do right now could be that experimental stuff that lots of teachers save until after testing. Uh, so going back to what Caitlin said at the toward the beginning of this conversation, uh, it doesn't have to be like a challenge that weighs us down. It could be a challenge that uh, kind of frees us as, in many ways as teachers. So what if we planned a, what if it, what if one of the things was this idea of a challenge is like, Hey, we have these opportunities. We could have a podcast challenge. You could have a write every day, try something for 30 days challenge. You could have an, like, one of the things that they do is choose a challenge that they want to take and like learn something new challenge. And they record a diary of learning it new or whatever that means where, and then they figure out the question who needs to hear this and how would I tell them, right? Do I make a video? Do I make a listicle do I make a infographic from the stuff that I learned and maybe there's like a like a daily TikTok yeah right like some sort of challenge thing would be really interesting you could you could fold all kinds of literacy standards our music Me. department is doing that right now because oh. they're kind of in like an oh god like what do we do so um she's posting a bunch of ideas and prompts and they're going to gather these points and if you try things and send them to her, you get a point for making a TikTok or a point for listening to a song and mimicking it. So I kind of thought about doing that for my kids, like with a lot of mentor text things and have them emulate those and send them to but me. But how cool to go, yeah, go out and find like a cool infographic and mm -hmm. post it here. Go out and find a cool whatever and then find one that you think's, you know, 
that you want to make happen. That would be cool for a day just to find out, find a thousand cool things to read. My journalists are also getting ready together to put together feats. So like feats of strength, feats of intelligence. And we were kind of like messing around with if we did got so many points through for different feats, we could get get out of doing some of the regular assignments that I make them do all the time. So just kind of an extension of that same idea of like a menu of things and like try it opportunities. Did anybody else have a question or a thought right now before? Yeah, Noah. Um, I live in the wild west of Laramie, Wyoming, and we only have three COVID-19 documented cases at least. Um, so our school is not yet canceled as of the recording of this meeting. Um, but I'm curious to know what your schools are doing or what you're doing about students who don't have Wi-Fi access. Since I mean, that's a really big question right now. Um, I know that one person said that they made this work optional. Um, I was just kind of curious to hear if there are any other things that people or, or schools are trying out right now. I've seen a couple of internet service providers are offering free service to families that can't afford it. I know Spectrum was one and I don't know the name of another one, uh, maybe Comcast. And we also sent home Chromebooks on Friday to our kids. Like our superintendent basically said, if we don't get this stuff back, we'll buy more. So we sent Chromebooks home with kids. And I saw some districts were doing one per family. We did one per student if we could. We're not one-to-one, -one, but we have the resources that we were fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, so that's how we're getting at least devices out to our kids. We have to figure out to, how to make like a hard copy of pretty much everything we do and have that available as well. So that's what we're doing. Where, we're putting it on a table in the office. Oh, in the office. Okay. Mm -hmm. I saw I saw somebody doing posting something with that. Um, every student went into the library and picked out um, a, like a basket of books, like a bag of books, like five books to go home with. I mean, the library was cleared out by the end of the day. So here's where our conversation took a really interesting turn, at least in my opinion. A lot of teachers brought up the idea of what if we assign something and kids cheat on it? What then? The answer, as always, that OWP teachers came up with was just amazing. I can't wait for you to hear it. So here is the final part of our conversation around what we can do, not really to prevent cheating, to prevent situations in which students would be tempted to cheat. I think it gives us a real way to ask the question, what could the purpose be? Like, I love Caitlin's challenge at the beginning of this and this idea, uh, and Lindsay's too, of this idea of like, look at that poem. Like, it has, we have good bones. So that this is our moment to get to try something super cool. And if 20% of our students get to, a chance to do it, then 20% get a chance to do this. It's like action research in our classrooms right this second that we're like, let's just try something cool that we've never gotten to try before and see what happens, like the challenge or write a mentor or write every day and post it, make a video diary and post it. Like, how are you gonna keep track of what's happening? And I feel like that, that you can't cheat on, right? Like that's real stuff, that's writing. And that's, that's amazing things. But I do think you could definitely, I mean, even if you have them write every day for like a week and then you record yourself doing three revision lessons and they watch themselves, they watch those revision lessons, they have to apply one of them and then they post 
the thing they did with the revision lesson. I mean, it could still be super practical, right? It could still be like, or here's three ways you could generate ideas. Watch me. And you could videotape it. They could watch it at any time. And then they have to post an idea that they did. So I feel like we could try these things and they would be cheat proof and not just stuff, but they would also in the end really create something uh, that I feel like we could do it like that. And to underscore your point, Beth, about five years ago, um, one of my students came back to me. He was helping me with an after school club. And I asked how high school was going. He said, it's going well. I was like, how are your teachers? And he said, well, you know, one of, one of my classes is really easy because we just found the uh, website where the teacher gets all of their worksheets and essay prompts. So I, it made me realize that a lot of those things that we got away with, or maybe you could call it 20th century teaching is now obsolete or it's becoming obsolete. And this is our great opportunity, like you said, to jump into something that might be, um, I don't know, not not just necessarily cheat proof, but something that's just gonna be pushing the boundaries of what teaching used to be. Anybody else have a really great idea before we get off that we should share or a question that you're like, dang, I wanted to jump on this because I thought OWP colleagues would help me answer this. I just wrote down, I think what my motto is gonna be, which is just create versus complete. Um, and that's just kind of summarize what, summarizing what you've all said, or even like challenge versus complete. And I think that would just help a great guiding force. I love that so much. I feel like we might just steal that. Can we title the podcast that? So if somebody tries something this week, you know, keep track of it and let's like share and say this worked because then one of us could grab it and do it. Um, I get whatever they just already tried or we can learn from each other. Um, I really appreciate seeing you all. I think that this is actually really important for us to stay connected that whole social distancing is true for teachers and we need to talk to each other.